This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to the Awful and Awesome Entertainment Wrap. Hello and welcome to the Awful and Awesome Entertainment Wrap. Rajshree is busy traveling because she has a proper job now. She doesn't do these podcasts. But hopefully she'll be back the week after next. Today we have two films we'll be reviewing and we have a professional film critic with us. A very accomplished one at that. Let me introduce my co-host for today, Mayank Shekhar. He has more than 17 years of experience. He's a journalist and an author and one of the most well-known film critics in India. Before he joined Midday as the entertainment head, he's worked with organizations like Hindustan Times, Mumbai Mirror and Open. Thank you, Mayank. Thanks for having me, Abhinandan. How are you doing? Oh, getting on. Delhi is horribly cold. How are you? Well, it's never cold in Bombay, so it's all good. But I would imagine you'd be indoors most of the while, right? Or do you go out very often? I go, out, or... I go out too, but yeah, but it, it, it's horribly cold, I must tell you. Fair enough, fair enough. Enjoy it while it lasts, man. Yes, Certainly I shall. Summers in Delhi. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Delhi summers hot, but I'd rather take the Delhi summer than the winter any day. Really? Okay. That can be another debate altogether. <laughs> So, Mayank, um, what is your take on the releases this year? We are just in the beginning. First of all, tell me last year, you know, you're a film critic. You've been doing this for a living for a while. Yes. I felt last year I saw a lot of good films. Is it my imagination or was last year actually even data-wise very good with cinema? No, I I genuinely believe that 2018 was the best year that I've had as a film reviewer wow. watching films. Yes. I don't think, you know, so at the end of the year, everyone makes their top 10 list and it was like impossible for me to like uh, you know stop at 10 and I went like to 15 16 and I still missed about a good four or five films that people rightly pointed out mm. because they were really good films too but you know you can't you know that's like a dodge job to like have 20 movies and say this is your top 10 yeah uh, but it was it I mean to have 20 great movies to watch in a year is a is a huge is a, is a huge number for yeah. any year and I think 18 and I think 18 is almost a turning point because so many other things happening alongside right so it's not just about theatrical releases and that you can actually make films uh, that you want to make because someone or the other will buy it and then there's a whole revenue stream coming from OTT platforms like Netflix and Amazon they're just waiting to pick up stuff so you can so this is a great time to be a filmmaker certainly a good time to be a story writer in in movies well we see that it's a good time for you to actually come in on this because I have an email from one of our regular listeners and you're the best person to answer those questions but first uh, I'll just tell the listeners that we'll be reviewing, um, well, Mayank will be reviewing <laughs> and telling me what he <laughs> thought of them, of the two films that have been released this year. One is Uri and the other mm-hmm. is The Accidental Prime Minister. So Mayank, why don't you first tell me about The Accidental Prime Minister? What do you think of it? Well, I think what's common to both the films as would be playing on everyone's mind is that is that they're propaganda films. Uh, and there is, I think, a new genre called the pre-election genre because you see quite a few movies at least being announced and the posters put up like Vivek Obroy, uh, you know, in a film which is supposedly a biopic of on Modi. Mm. Uh, by the way, you know, I have inside news on this one, at least uh, from someone I know working in the film. Apparently, it's not a biopic. It's actually a thriller where Modi gets kidnapped in that movie. <laughs> so Are you serious? Abducted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Okay. And I really hope that's how it turns out to be because that'll be that'll be a better film to watch in any case. Okay. Uh, and we had this whole Thakre uh, uh, movie coming up, right. uh, which is, of course, a Shiv Sena. I mean, it is 
you know, practically being produced uh, by Shiv Sena. Mm. There's another Modi movie with uh, Paresh Rawal in it, and he claims he can play Modi better than Vivek Oberoi, uh, which is, you know, obviously great competition between the two of them. <laughs> and uh. then there's the accidental Prime Minister, which is uh, primarily uh, a film that sort of, uh, you know, shows. I mean, it's of course from Sanjay Baru's book, uh, and it's it's really about. Uh, I mean, the book itself was about uh, Manmohan Singh's first term, but the film focuses far more on his second term right. uh, and, and therefore it takes a lot more like an opinion based uh, sort of uh, uh, take on on his second term in terms of what a Papu Rahul Gandhi is and you know what a control freak Sonia Gandhi was etc etc uh, it's interesting I'll tell you why I mean of course we can we can talk about the propaganda aspect of it and we must because uh, you know you can tell uh, that there is a certain viewpoint that they want to put across hmm. but if uh, but I think if you if you if you just and and I guess that's how this movie got made without any without uh, so, cuts. so before you tell us about the performance and the plot and uh, you know I'll just tell the audience that it was directed by Vijay Ratnakar Gutte and produced by right. Sunil Bohra and Dhawal Gada and written right. by Vijay Ratnakar Gutte Mayank Tiwari and Karl Dune and Aditya Sena four writers so that good huh? the writing hmm. is that good <laughs> is that how it works the number of people who write it the better it gets <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping unitary method works here but so, t- so tell me how was Anupam Kher and Akshay Khanna you know uh, I think uh, and we were talking about genre right before this as in terms of performances and also the characterization I think it's more a proper ganja film uh, than a propaganda film uh, because proper see, ganja <laughs> film what is a proper <laughs> ganja film <laughs> unlike the book of course huh. and because you know there is a there is a certain element of you know, there's a leap of faith involved here um, which you know you can only achieve uh, if you're under some substances because you'll appreciate the performances far better so you have Anupam Kher who's I think very perfectly styled he's been you know he's made to look a lot like uh, uh, Dr. Singh for sure but yeah. I mean the he waddles like a penguin and he he's that croaky voice of his I'm not too sure whether he's trying to you know uh, mimic uh, Dr. Singh is actually trying to play uh, that particular part and and I think it comes across more as a parody uh, than a performance in that sense. Oh, uh, I think the, the cooler one, of course, uh, you know, Sanjay Baru uh, gets to look really cool in the movie. Huh. I mean, he's dapperly dressed. He's in blue suede shoes. Uh, he looks really good, as good as Akshay Kanna does. Uh, <laughs> and of course, because the audience has never seen Sanjay Baru, so they, they might even believe that that was him as the media advisor huh. uh, to the former prime minister. Uh, but I think they've overdone on that uh, the aspect. But I think, I think what really suffers the most outside of uh, these two uh, is actually the uh, the art the production design. You know, you yeah, you we've all seen what the prime minister's office looks like. You know, it's very sober, wooden interiors, but it looks like a shadi hall in this movie. So you see these like uh, gaudy uh, paintings, and you know, this is like, packed with uh, flowers. And which it's, is it's quite ridiculous. Which is strange uh, because sure. things like this, they can get the detailing. I mean, this is not rocket science. You know, you can just get the detailing of this right. I mean, there's no reason to get this so awfully wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. And we've seen these, you know, there are enough, you know, news footage of exactly what the PMO looks like. And and then to, you know, I guess, I guess it's, it's, it's to do with aesthetics more than in their head, they probably think that that's what it should look like, rather than what it really is. And that what it really is might be too boring for the big screen. God knows. Hmm. So, and, and tell us about like the plot line. I mean, I've heard, I haven't watched it, but that there's, it doesn't look like a story. They're just 
you know the scenes that are unconnected sometimes it doesn't flow like a story they're just this scene makes him look shit this scene makes him look shit this scene makes him look bad and that's it's just a bunch of scenes put together well see firstly it's i mean it's hard enough to adapt from non fiction to begin with mm. uh, and baru did not write the book i'm sure keeping in mind a film mm. it would take competence of another kind to turn that into a into a seamless screenplay because there is no material as against if you were taking fiction for instance then you would be able to break that down into scenes but there are no really scenes in in the book itself uh, accidental prime minister so they've taken they've certainly taken uh, the dialogue they picked up all the dialogue that is attributed to dr singh in the book because they can't make it up and mm. they made up a few lines was you know i mean who would know about a conversation that took place between dr singh and sonia gandhi right. inside a closed room anyway so that's obviously not there in the book it's imagined by the writers but by and large i would agree i think it's non sequitur uh, everything doesn't quite flow in as a story story per se but because we we have such strong background knowledge of uh, what the prime minister did during his term the stuff that was happening around him it seems it seems like what you know a lay reader would imagine it to be rather than an insider's take on what happened so it's a very outsider's take rather than what the book was which is about someone who actually served in the pmo there's so much stuff in that book abhinandan and which is why you know i wish that's the thing i really feel that what they did with this film is they didn't did an rgv on this on this subject but ram gopal varma had this habit of picking up really great subjects like 2611 or neeraj grover murder case and screw it up for others because they they can't touch it anymore <laughs> right huh. so so they took an a phenomenal uh, uh, subject and material and they completely screwed up because i think what what the book had is something that you know lay readers like me would not know about you know that the, the the turf politics uh, mm. the turf war between between various people within pmo the fight for the corner office right. the stuff that can become like a yes prime minister or, or you know even if you see it from the perspective of west wing or house of cards i mean it had all the material of you know the the jostling ministers you know for various births and junior ministers and cabinet ministers seen as what it means to be in raisana hill you know what's such a big deal because there are these top four ministers i mean it's all the material is all there i don't think i don't think they were even interested in that i think there were two interested in making anupam khair look like manmohan singh and hoping that people will come to watch him actually you know i think that's that's the main uh, you know the way one approaches cinema is that mm. if one approaches this from a cinematic point you're saying that this message can go out but mm. we will make good cinema it'll be more effective here the uh, i i'm all that i've read is that the mm. attention is so much on propaganda that they've forgotten the cinema aspect which kind of is counterproductive to the purpose that you know they would they No would true make. true I mean I think it takes a lot of it takes immense competence to pull off something of this nature and this guy the gentleman I mean I I never heard of him before this in many way I'm, I'm sure you know he got his funding and that's why he's the director but you would need you would need a, a director of some caliber uh, and to also uh, to you know not to altogether uh, you know ignore the audience's intelligence hmm. uh, and to and to assume that the audience really wants to know what happens in south block and north block you know because we kind of know what happens in the west wing uh, thanks to uh, some of the stuff that we uh, you know watched on pop culture and they've not they've not they've not had to dumb it down you know we kind of understand american politics a lot better thanks to some shows that we watched but you get no sense of what a pomo is like uh watching watching a film you like know, this uh, which is quite a pity because you know the material was there although i will say even you know the that film i watched of um uh, jha um um rajneeti 
Yes. Uh, he made Rajneeti and he made one more. I, f- I forget what Satyagraha. And in right, both of right. them, Satyagraha was you know shortly after the Jan Lokpal movement, and he got those elements mm. in. And right. Uh, while it was, I I believe both of them did pretty well. And you know, having been well, a journalist, did. I don't think Satyagraha did. <coughs> okay, but, didn't. But yeah, but they were popular films. Yes. <coughs> yeah. But you know, having you know been a journalist at one point in my life, and you know covering politics closely and watching right. it. I just hmm. thought that it was such a um, dumbed down uh, while there was you know he had stars like Amitabh Bachchan Ajay Devgan and Katrina Kaif and Arjun Rampal in those films and hmm. there was there was this one scene of I think uh, you know the the cremation scene where this camera goes up and there's like a field full of people in white kurta pajamas absolutely white hmm. new abhi darzi se dul- I mean <laughs> they were very cinematic and and lovely looking like a you know a Sanjay Leela Bhansali frame But right. as far as the story was concerned, it was so far removed from what politics is, and I think that is right. true generally in political cinema in our country. I mean, by and large, I mean, I'm sure there are other. Films yeah, I, I would, I would agree. So, but you know, I think one one should not forget the fact that uh, even while um, whether one likes this movie or not, uh, what can't be denied is how you know they managed to pull off a lot of stuff that would have been that would have seemed impossible for political cinema in India. before this um and i was as i was telling you before i mean the fact that you can have the like entire galaxy of well known names from both bjp and congress and of course it may seem like parity in the sense that they all you know they've all been cast because they look like that that person so there is jet from you know from jetly to to vajpayee to adwani to you know ahmed patel to mm. ak antony to arun shori everyone and they they all go by their own names i mean no, no one sued them uh for whatever reasons but we you know there has always been it's an illusion in past it's you a know, step this, forward this guy looks like him it must be it must be that like you've had iruvar which is also you know based on uh, tamil nadu politics a much better film of course but you know there's always been an illusion but i think this time they managed to pull off like naming names and having faces to each one of them and i really hope and i was hoping that this movie goes to court you know because if the court then passes it which it would have then we would have a, a precedent in in court that you know this you can, can go and then like because that, you yeah. know ultimately what censor board quashes these films right Correct. and then eventually you have to go to court and but if the court has passed a film like this then you can say hey if this was okay uh, in the court of law then i think this one is too yeah, then uh, but of course they they didn't have to because no one really objected in in, in a harsh enough way for them to have to so um yeah before we move on to discussing the gillette commercial i just like to tell yeah. our audience that mayank was referring to he hopes the film turns out that way as in a thriller where vivek obra gets kidnapped he wasn't referring that he hopes modi actually gets get get kidnapped before yeah. you are deluded oh by you never know who's by, by, by abuse on your twitter so just just clarifying that now as a thriller as a genre yes. as yeah as a genre you would like that to be a thriller so now i have an email that i'd like to read out you know readers regularly write to us um mm. this and you know you're well placed to kind of mention this this is from harish He says, "Hey Abhinandan, please stop threatening to get another host to replace you. I only started listening to Awful and Awesome regularly bef- after you started hosting it with Rajshree. Your banter is amazing and replaceable. Thank you so much, Harish. You have fine taste. I'm sh- if Rajshree, if you're listening to this, just saying, Harish is saying that I'm really good as a host because she keeps saying that I suck and I should just go to hell. So just saying, everyone talks about nepotism in the film industry, but you generally ignore the nepotism in the media." All top journalists, including Bollywood journalists, come from prominent film families. Would be great if you guys could address this issue, especially since both of you have a deep knowledge about how the media industry works. Uh, I'm talking about Rajdeep, Arnab, Barkha, Karan Thapar, Anupam Chopra, etc. 
Also, Rajshree does great interviews. Get to do more. Okay, thank you, Harish. First, before I come to the media, news media, let's discuss Bollywood media uh, with Mayank. Mayank, uh, is there major nepotism even in the Bollywood media in in Bombay? Is that the case? Uh, not that I know of. Not that I know of. I mean, there will be that inevitable um, uh, Stockholm syndrome, which I'm sure is true for journalism in general, where you've been covering a particular beat for far too long and you become friends with people in that particular beat and then you start thinking they are actually family or friends to you uh, which of course lasts as long as you like you you last in that organization then they they stop talking to you too and you know <laughs> the, the reality dawns eventually uh, but uh, well not that i can think of i mean also it's not it's not the most lucrative jobs right uh, yeah. in in the scheme of things why would you really want to be this journalist it's not like it it, it gives you great uh, um Power or money. Either yeah. you'd rather be you'd rather be a movie star, and therefore there's far more nepotism there uh, in terms right. of producers wanting their kids to become stars. Likewise, stars wanting to, their kids to become movie stars too, or for that matter, uh, producers or or even or even directors. Okay, well, that's as far as Bollywood's concerned. Harish, as far as news media is concerned, yes, you're right. There's major nepotism, uh, and in fact, there's a particular generation of journalists who you see come from very similar backgrounds. the either bureaucrats kids or technocrats kids or kids of people who have in some way been uh, you know a part of the policy politics kind of ecosystem of delhi it is very true and in fact this entire pushback against the media is an outcome of that and i think that is a legitimate uh, disgruntlement by uh, you know among the general masses because news media was talking to and for each other however where that has led to i don't agree with but uh, that there was reason to be dissatisfied with the very uh, homogeneous kind of people who became journalists uh, is a problem or was but i do believe that in the new generation uh, some of the finest journalists are not from your urban upper middle class elite uh, they are from small towns they are doing some fantastic stories and some fantastic journalism so like everything else that too is changing uh, thankfully Problem, like you, like you were, we were talking about accidental prime minister, right? Yeah. Even uh, with uh, Baru's book, that's the one thing that that I noticed first is about, you know, Baru is talking about. Of course, he himself uh, is uh, from the same, uh, um, you know, India International Center sort of, uh, you know, hangs out there, and that's where he meets these hundred people who are right. also vying for various various positions in Dr. Singh's PMO. So, like everyone's everyone's friend at some level or the other, whether they went to school or college together, Absolutely. or they socially meet and then they're part of the Saturday club. So it's you know it's it seems more it seems that the power seems more rested in IIC than than a democracy in any case. Yeah, that's very true. There's just like about fifteen square kilometer area in Delhi where everything gets done. Now coming to Gillette's commercial uh, context for our listeners, Gillette came up with a commercial saying, "We believe the best men can be." Uh, their tagline, Gillette, is "The best a man can get." The best a man can get, and then a guy shaves and all that. Uh, for the record, I've sh- I haven't shaved for I think some fifteen, seventeen years, and I must have saved a few lakhs in blades by now and razors. But um, but this commercial has caused some i mean i'm surprised it's caused this kind of a, a conversation with people saying you know why are we killing masculinity piers what's his name piers morgan that guy who does mm. good morning britain who's just an unnecessarily provocative fool he's like if uh, you know if if um, so he'll say it was a little smarter and more <laughs> annoying 
uh, he would be Piers Morgan. Uh, I've got his name right, right? Piers Morgan. Yeah, Piers Morgan. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, he, of course, said that this is why we're killing masculinity, and and I saw the commercial. I had I saw all the you know jagda around it earlier, and I don't see much wrong with the commercial. Bullying. The Me Too the movement against sexual harassment. Masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off, making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. boys, will be boys but something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. To say the right thing, to act the right way. Some already are, in ways big and small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough, because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. I think it is appealing to the right values. It is showing guys, and being a guy from an all-boys boarding school, this is what many guys did, and it wasn't really punished or reprimanded like it should have been it was boys will be boys kind of thing and here they're saying this kind of stuff should be confronted at a very young age i don't know what's wrong with that and why this and i think it's quite quite well made i think in the end it gets a bit too preachy but overall i th- i think it's a fantastic uh, uh, kind of uh, you know communication for a brand that is so associated with machismo to come out with why would people be upset with this? You tell me. What do you think of the commercial, and and what do you I, make I, of the? You are, I couldn't understand the outrage too, Abhinandan. I mean, what is the what is the ad trying to say? It's trying to say that we should be ashamed of the sexual harassment, the regular sexual harassment that happens all around us, and should we not be like whether we are men or women? Should we not be ashamed of it? Uh, I do. I do believe though uh, a lot of a lot of the outrage industry is is centered on polarizing, and I don't like it when it becomes about men and women to begin with. I don't think it's a gender war at all. Mm. Um, and I think we would, as men, we, uh, as women, uh, women would be, you know, as, as, you know, pissed off with women who do, you know, who, for instance, would, uh, would, would, you know, make a bo- bogey allegation against someone because, you know, women can also not be right sometimes. Right. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it works both ways. But yeah, I mean... Uh, but um, as far as messaging is concerned, this shows guys bullying other little boys, which is the wrong thing to do. It shows how guys mm-hmm. gang up on other guys, which is clear. Although I'm, I'm surprised, you know, I, I have a theory that uh, Pierce Morgan, the personality mm. that he seems to have, and, you mm. know, being in an all-boys boarding for 12 years, you kind of, you suss out guys very quickly because it's a very uh, ruthless environment. It's, it's like wolves. You got to figure out who is the alpha uh, mm. Although that theory has been debunked by a zoologist, I know those of you who are going mm. to correct me on that. But going by the cliche, you figure out which guys, what, what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, and you slot this guy's a potential ally, this guy's a potential adversary, this guy's a neutral kind of guy, this is the guy I can bully to show my dominance when I need to, this is the guy I should stay away from. He comes across as the guy who must have been slapped by everybody. But but yet he's he's... Extremely pro-bullying. He loves Trump. Like he doesn't come across as a bully to me. I mean, I can't imagine him being a bully in school. So I I don't know why he's always endorsing Trump's nonsense. You know, pushing back on anything that is politically correct just because it's politically correct. 
but but don't do you think that the reason why we weren't discussing him is because he does that i think a lot of uh, opinion uh, for formation or opinion dissemination has a lot to do individuals i'm talking about mm-hmm. is the fact that they call attention to themselves and the moment you say something which is not very popular which is contrarian for the sake of it sometimes um it just attracts attention doesn't it yeah you're probably right good point so uh, we'll come to uri now and after that i'd like to know we have an email on humor also but mm-hmm. i'll read that email at the end uh, this email is from hi enjoyed episode 97 please don't stop the podcast even if you get few letters I recently recommended News Laundry to many of my friends. Hope they subscribe soon. Just want to point out that Mystic River had Kevin Bacon and Sean Penn in it. The Meryl Streep movie was The River Wild, also starring Kevin Bacon. Uh, you're right, Hitashish. I think uh, Rajshree mixed up Mystic River and The River Wild in the last podcast. Thank you for correcting her as she often needs to. I hope you're listening, Rajshree. Uh, now, now coming to Uri, I'll just tell our audience it is based on the 2016 Uri attack. It was much published as news media. This is directed by Aditya Dhar and produced by Ronnie Screwwala. Hindustan के आज तक के इतिहास में हमने कभी भी किसी दूसरे मुल्क पे पहला बार नहीं किया है. 1947, 65, 71, 99. यही मौका है उनके दिल में डर बिठाने का. हिंदुस्तान अब चुप नहीं बैठेगा नया हिंदुस्तान है ये हिंदुस्तान घर में घुसेगा भी और मारेगा भी What do you think of that? I believe this one is pretty well made. Is that right? Very well made, and I was uh, absolutely stunned by it. Honestly, in the sense that because my expectations were hugely low, uh, as they should be, because again you're walking in thinking, oh, this is that pre-election propaganda film, right? Mm. Uh, and because you, you know, nobody knows anything about. the surgery surgery strike because they were secretive for a good reason these, these were covert operations so how do these filmmakers recreate this uh then the first uh, plate in the film right before right, right as it starts is you know thanks uh, to the the publicity division of indian army uh, which means that they've had you know uh, you know great uh, access there and mm. they've used that access so well it's incredible because the kind the kind of military hardware you see in this film right from fighter aircraft to like you know top end gear uh, you know gear like uh, you know night vision glasses and like it looks like a real freaking no nonsense action packed military drama to a point that i've not seen anything close to it in hindi films before they don't need to like waver from their core purpose which is essentially to show you how uh, in like say about 10 about 10 or 15 for less than a fortnight they went and sort of took uh, revenge of the attacks at the army base in uri uh, that background is known to everyone everything else is imagined but imagine along the lines of uh, say how zero dark 30 was made right. you know which is a huge compliment because that movie was really really well yeah, made yeah it was so it's that level huh yes yes wow um, i mean except that you know of course there is far more credibility to zero dark 30 because you know uh, even cia woke up and said you know what it seems like someone here is a mole and they've like sort of collaborated with the filmmakers with the sort of information they had and then some clammed up and stuff like that uh, here i i'd like to believe that a lot of it has been imagined by filmmakers but imagine to a degree that you are you know it's is riveting enough as an action drama 
and i really like vicky kaushal you know uh, i first saw him in masan i think that was the first mm. film i saw then mm. i watched him in raman raghav 2.0 which yeah. i thought was a phenomenal film i believe it didn't do very well Great and film. it kind of just no it would have done okay i mean it was a low budget film it, it would have done fine i don't think it would have lost money for sure i, I thought it was amazing and then i saw him yes. in uh, some of the other films he did lately i thought in sanju i felt very bad for him uh, he was completely wasted uh but um he's fantastic he transformed himself beautifully in that film i mean he looked like nothing like the guy from asan uh, right. in in sanju but he he's he's a great talent that i think you know last year between him um uh, from uh, the the blind film um andhadhund um ayushman mm. khurana ayushman khurana and newton right. um i'm bad with names rajkumar right. uh, rajkumar rao. rao these three mm. guys of phenomenal new talents in bollywood man they just i think they're amazing you know i think if you just survey the entire lot uh, the entire lot of uh, late 20s to early 30s to mid 30s it's incredible how much effort they put into each performance where to make sure that one film is totally different from the other like in this particular film i mean and then like you see this guy who's transformed he's put on 15 kilos is bulked up like a beast right but wow. not beast in a way uh, like a beast beast but like an like a commando like a sniper mm. right and you totally believe that it, that it is him uh, uh you know he looks so different it's such a far cry from the times when we were growing up where you hindi film heroes would not even change their hairstyle you yeah, know dude. because it was their hairstyle it should be like this in every film. yeah mithun chakravarty or so, anil kapoor would play like army officers or guys with like hair like like the ducks everyone, everyone you I know was i like, was watching a clip of shahrukh khan from fauji and he has the same hairstyle as he has even now and like long hair that's not what fauji's look like you know <laughs> you can't you so, be thrown so, out at once and i while we love that show it was a great show but you know it's but you don't they just there needed to no look detailing. like themselves regardless of which film they were in which is so different from the young generation now so you know tell me since we discussed a few podcasts ago but you know you'll have a better and more informed take on this i thought that you know when kadir khan died and you know his story is extremely dramatic and very moving from where he came and the kind of success mm. he achieved and how he was key to so many blockbusters he clearly knew how to make a film work how to write dialogue right. but i did have uh, and, and no disrespect meant to kadir khan but i did have a view that the 90s were the worst phase for the film industry in my i'm 44 now and i've been watching films since i was in my 7 8 9 i we had started watching movies although these days my niece and nephew aren't allowed to watch films so obviously my parents are a lot less careful about what we watched you know and you know when that entire and i i, I thought that was because the first generation of film uh, f- 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 the filmy people their children hit puberty like the fardeen khans and the karishma kapoor's <laughs> and all these people so you're flooded by completely talentless people and therefore the 90s had really shit films you know if you really think about it and then of course then now this generation these guys are talented they've come from all over the place although vicky kaushal is um you know a uh, uh, son of a uh, uh, action director from someone from the film but not exactly privileged in that sense exactly. i mean an action director in the hierarchy of things would be would be someone who's still at some level struggling uh, not not the not the top not not a movie star as it was superstar yeah but w- right? what's your take on the 90s so like mai balwan sunil shetty and all these guys and fardeen khan and isha diol and it was like dude I... it was the it was a galaxy of such little talent it was mind blowing 
Well, I don't know what they would have done if they had great talent. Also, I mean, given the lines that they had to uh, that they were given to spew, and I mean, Kadir Khan would be writing five films at the same time, right? And the only reason he's doing it is because it's you know his dialogue bazi seemed to work, uh, mm. and it seemed to work even back in the seventies. I I don't know. I think I I generally believe things things are a function of the audience also, uh, and a lot of these films were doing. extremely well if they were bombing one after the other as you know salman khan's films started bombing after uh, you know bodyguard and all those movies were being made until about a few years ago right mm. is that they stopped working uh, for an audience and i think the audience is genuinely getting uh, exposure of the sort that was that was not true for the 90s i mean on their phone they can catch whatever like hollywood is huge in the in the internet now so you can't get away making rubbish earlier you could because there was a monopoly these right. distributors and producers had a monopoly over whatever shit content they can create with ease without putting in too much uh, you know in terms of even production value and make their money because there's one theater in your town every district has one theater and whatever is playing you go and watch yeah, and people watch it like 15 16 times what's what's your incentive to make good films uh, there is there was none and and i think i mean of course the 2000s when the multiplexes came so there was this little you know there was the urban educated english speaking middle class wanted to also watch hindi films but that level of exposure that that particular demographic had uh, that exists for small towns now yeah. and and you see that they reject they reject shit uh, altogether but tell me you may have some insight into this you know i was um, again we've discussed this long time ago i, I mm. watched maine pyar kiya in a balcony at 7 rupees i bought the ticket it was mm. the most 7 rupees 50 paisa it was a film uh, hall called prabhat in dehradun and mm. uh, i remember you know the balcony tickets used to be 7 bucks Uh, mm. Now a ticket is anything from three hundred to five hundred to six hundred bucks. I'm not sure. I mean, now I'm socio-economic bracket A, so I mm. really don't look at the price tag of a film. But I have mm. wondered. Delhi is full of multiplexes, right? And all these multiplexes mm. are expensive shows. Where do the poor watch cinema now? Did you have any They insight don't. into it? They don't. So you know, you travel across small town India. Uh, so you know, I do this film festival that goes to eighteen small towns, right? Um, like towns like Ranchi, um, Jamshedpur. Allahabad, etc., etc., Patna, of course, and so many others. And you know, the one thing that you will notice is that there are no single-screen cinemas left. Yeah, they, they've all shut down. And then there are these chotu malls, and it'll be still be the same Pan Republic or a or a PVR, and that shuts out the the really poor. So cinema hall used to be that one place where you have Which everyone, exactly. you know, in different classes. Sure, because huh. that's what you can afford. But yeah. everyone merged together. to you know for the entertainment yeah. uh, that that has stopped happening and to a point where i think it will altogether stop in the next few years because all single screen cinemas in this in this towns have shut down and and still multiplexes and it's that same sanitized environment of a multiplex and you know who's not been allowed in because you know they'd rather i think they're going to watch it on the they're all watching it on the mobile phones you know it's so sad uh, my young because i remember I used to be petrified of going to watch a film with my dad because he was a serving foji and hmm. he didn't care much for cinema but he'd come because if he want the kids want to go and he'd have this you know major stick up his ass about if someone was yelling or shouting or clapping and what right, is this way to behave pleasure, right that's the fun what, of watching what movies. is this way to behave and all of us like yaar mat aao yaar let let me go with say bhaiya or didi or something or the other but right. you know that i remember when i watched hum hmm. i was in th- hmm. i think i was in class 10 i think uh, yeah. no i i was still in school so it was at 92 i must be hmm. class 11 then class 11 or 12 yeah and how people just ran in front and started dancing to jumma chumma right, i remember when i watched right. tridev that was also around that time how when right. oaoa started people just ran to the front of the hall and started dancing 
and those chavannis right. and athannis being flung and it used to right. be used to have such fun but now I, i'm not saying people should do that in case everyone saying ki why do you want such a ruckus but the fact is that there the guy who you would ask for a rickshaw ride outside was probably watching the film there with you except he was yeah, sitting downstairs you were sitting in the balcony it's a collective experience and that you know and, and people are taking different things from that same film i think the last film that i watched which sort of matches to that caliber in terms of you know attracting both audiences into and i would love to watch it at a huge single screen was simba i think this dude is like that hardcore superstar of the 90s you know he reminds you of what anil kapoor and all used to be, or actually govinda used to be just pull mm. off a performance doesn't matter what the story is and whatever yeah. he just shows up and there is a certain connect that he has with with everyone from the front benches to the balcony seat and everyone is like really excited to see him because he's going to do something really stupid and say something really funny right. in his own way uh, i think i think ranveer singh has that you must watch simba hopefully i'm sure there's still there are lots of uh, single screens in delhi still i'm sure sangam and all these no sangam doesn't no, exist no sangam is no it does uh, exist it's become a multiplex Sangam um, has become multiplex. Uh, what, it, what about Plaza? Plaza is a multiplex now. Yeah, Plaza is a multiplex. They're all multiplexes now. You're with, kidding me. All the CP uh, theaters are multiplexes. Yeah, CP theaters are multiplexes. There was one left that was Regal. Um, that's uh, Regal is not shutting down. I think it's already shut down. Uh, they're going to shut down, and the one next to Regal in that corner that's become that's multiplex. Yeah, that's that's become a PVR Rivoli. So. Uh, Sheila was uh, till a while ago, I believe, a single screen. I don't know if it still is. But the problem with the single screens is. they don't get these films they get some sidey films most pretty movies or something yeah so that uh, so yeah it's it's yeah. pretty sad um that that that's terrible that's terrible because that movie is really made for single screen and that audience hasn't left us you know even even we are that audience to a, to a huge extent because we've grown up on this right and that's why uh, rohit shetty gets away with his 100 crore films because he understands that, that those guys are still there they're not being serviced well and he comes with a film every year and he cracks it which is which he did with simba as well right So I'll just read this one more email and then we'll end with comedy your favorite comedy shows and um Ankit has some questions which and comments which I'm sure you would like to react to Ankit says dear bengali communist and punjabi munda long time listener but first time writer from kent england i've long long enjoyed your dulcet tones dulcet hota hai ki dulcet hota hai rajshree would know uh, well rajshree specifically and your skewering of the most awful the world has to offer which is definitely more fun than hearing you praise films and tv shows keep up the good work although i will say that i think i speak for a lot of listeners when i say we do miss deepanjana i view your podcast as a sort of too much of a good thing and so i ration listening to it in short i'm way behind in listening to your podcast have just finished episode 75 anyway having listened to that episode i was reminded that as usual you two are usually found condemning indian made tv and films and mostly though not always praising western usually us films and tv i happen to agree with you i had the sad realization some years ago that the vast majority of tv and films made in india are so bad and our film tv industry completely pales in comparison to the us and the rest of the world generally assuming you agree with this premise could you have a discussion about why this is and whether you see things getting better i've noticed that hindi films are getting slightly better but the vast majority are still unbelievably bad i will list my main problems and would like to know your thoughts Symptoms: boring, unoriginal films, uh, no appeal outside the desi crowd, complete victory over sty- of style over substance, copying Western concepts without really understanding what makes those films so powerful, overacting, Indian tendency to like and prefer melodrama to storytelling, causes, lack of original originality in script, lack of belief in unusual ideas, public doesn't care about quality, tendency to let acting stars dictate everything, very difficult for new filmmakers to become big due to the typical Indian bano ke samne. 
Kasa Mankaro, Extreme Sexism, Actresses Over 35 Disregarded, Funding the sheer number of studios needed in order to make a big budget film. Every Hindi film has about 15 studio credits in the beginning of the film. Thanks, Ankit. Ankit, thank you for the email. And thank you. I hope you subscribe and spread the word and get others to listen to the podcast. Spread the word about the Awful and Awesome and News Laundry podcasts. Now, uh, Mayank, uh, before I come to you, I'd just like to say this one thing. I, I've worked hmm. briefly in, in cinema. I like to boast about it now and then. <laughs> I, was, I was camera assistant on The Monsoon Wedding. And nice. Yeah, that's was, a good uh, movie to that was a fun, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I learned so much on that set. And I remember immediately after that, I had come to um, Bombay and I was assistant director with Meghna on Philhal. Mm. Meghna's an old friend, so I was. it was complete nepotism. She said, I'm starting mm. my first film. You want to come to work? I said, Haan, monsoon running khatam ho rahi hai, jata And that time when I went, they said, have you worked on a film before? I said, I've just worked on Monsoon Wedding. How long? I said, 24 days. They said, it must be a documentary film. Because those days, mm. songs took mm. 24 days to shoot. The rest of the film took another 80 days. And the first thing right. I saw was that on this set, I'd come at like 4 or 5 in the morning. We'd shoot 6, 7 scenes. And then I'd get back by 9, 10 at night. And there, I spent 2, 3 hours waiting for Sushmita to land up or someone to land mm. up. There was a lot of waiting involved. That clearly right. has changed. I mean, films are a lot more efficient. I, I've read about films being made in 20 days, 25 days, 22 days. So those 180 days kind of films are over. Is, is well, that so true? that's the thing that most people don't get, right? I mean, because a film is being made in 20 days, uh, it doesn't mean it actually got made in 20 days. That's because they spent a good year or year and a half preparing for those 20 Absolutely. days to shoot. Yeah, yeah, you know, correct. So you can't just like pause, they do something They know exactly what they're supposed to do. Pre-production is the huge. They've gone to the place. So it's, it's, just, it's just more efficient because you spend more time on it before rather than on it itself while you're doing it. Right. So now, uh, but now you get, I mean, when I say media, I mean short, wrong choice of words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, now you get a lot more efficiency uh, in, in Bollywood, right? Absolutely. Like even the top stars, right, outside of Akshay Kumar, I think they most of them work on one film. So, you know, they, they're completely geared towards that 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 shoot time, that, that window that they're gonna get. So like they they will workshop, they will uh, you know, they will train for that for that part, they will know exactly what they have to do. So not too many retakes are required. You know, they've already rehearsed uh, that particular scene before they come on to the set. So it's just much easier to finish it off in terms of pure production, uh, much easier to finish it off when you have your lead actor only doing that one film. Uh, at any point in time. Right, anyway. right. Now, coming to why is, uh, you know, as the male said, I think one is purely a function of the amount of money spent. You know, the amount of money that they spend and the resources that they throw at television shows are huge. Like, they'll have 20 writers. So, when I mean that, that, that doesn't necessarily 20 writers will write better than one writer, but just the amount of, like, friends had so many writer credits that there were a lot of people coming and, you know, one person can run out of gags. So I think comedy works a lot better there because the kind of resource, it has a lot to do with the function of resources. And the second thing is that the whole overacting thing, like when I saw Mission Impossible, and I really, I, I've always said Anil Kapoor is one of the most underrated actors in our country because I thought he's, at least I used to think he was amazing. And every role he played, he was really convincing. He was really fun as a fun guy. He looked really mean as a Munna. Uh, he was the quintessential Bigdawa. He could be a really good, good guy. But yet he'd never really got any acknowledgement as an actor. Then I watched Mission Impossible and I realized how much he overacts. <laughs> you know, because then you see him <laughs> with the rest. And I had never seen him as an overactor before that. So is it just an Indian I think, thing? I think on a Hollywood set, he completely feels out of depth. This is the, the second time he's done it, right? Even Slumdog Millionaire, I mean, that, that overacting has become like 
you know like a like a gold standard in overacting the chaiwala chaiwala you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> so i think he gets a little frazzled when he's on a he's not he's not such a bad actor otherwise and, uh, or maybe or maybe you just saw him compared to what tom cruise does maybe yeah film. maybe he's also a, you know he can be ott too in his own right sometimes but yeah but i thought uh, anil kapoor was great in that cruise wala film um, uh, the the one with priyanka chopra and farhan akhtar right 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 uh, uh, anil kapoor is great uh, dil dhadakne do dil dhadakne do i think he, he, he mm. did a great job so now coming to comedy which are your favorite comedy shows and why i know i know i, I mean parshad did ask me to tell you some i you know i couldn't think i'm not watching any comedy uh, right now but of course a lot of uh, stand up comedies of course trevor noah is really good mm-hmm. uh, if you've seen the last one uh, hasan minhaj's show I, i'm loving uh, hugely that's uh, a patriot act. act right um, then um, i'd quite liked uh, vidas's uh, um, uh comedy special on on right. netflix, netflix. Too. i think that's the last comedy i watched uh i thought it was quite well done it's it's just, it's the same i think it's i think comedy is taking the stand up comedy scene is taking a slight uh, ted talk uh, slant hmm. uh, there's a lot of uh, dadd than you know a lot of live gyan along with humor <laughs> uh, which which is a phase but i'm quite enjoying this phase you know at least it's not just mindless bullshit uh, you you sort of connect with that person's story too at some level and um One more question. Last year, like you said, you had to make a top ten list, which went into sixteen. Can you just tell me which films you thought were outstanding last year? Not necessarily in a particular order, but just just to get an idea, in case well, our listeners uh, have missed it. Since I remember the list, I think in the top that I thought, uh, you know, I thought Razi and Andadun were the best of films okay. I saw last year. Uh, okay. Both died. I thought both were both were thrillers and both done very very differently from each other. One was very noirish. Uh, the other was a little more realistic. in terms mm. of its setting in pakistan and everything uh, i loved i loved what arora kashyap did last year i thought uh, went rather underrated uh, for some reason but mukabaz i thought was a oh, brilliant yeah. brilliant outstanding film. and that boy is something else that the lead actor yeah. vinith kumar singh i mean he not, he he didn't just write the film he went for a year and a half to train as train with olympian boxers then he did the lyrics i mean i don't think anybody is given that much of their life to one role as that guy did i thought he went underrated because i don't see him uh, being mentioned otherwise maybe because it was a january film and then there some there seems to be some recency bias with mm. these things mm. i thought manmarzia was really again by anuraka shows a fabulous film yeah that tell me sorry sorry well so so the guy who plays the box in that film he wrote the dial he wrote the film and he wrote the film it is his story and he, he, he wrote and he, that, that is his script and he also wrote the lyrics he also wrote the lyrics in the movie yes What a talented dude! And then he dude. trained for a year and a half in Patiala. And what a body to man! That person. Yeah, he was awesome. Wow. Brilliant. He was brilliant. Yeah. Okay. You should get him on your podcast. I should. Yeah. Okay. And then, mm. then what are the other films that you thought were really good? Then I liked Man Marzia, of course. Mm. Um, then I loved October uh, for a mainstream film and and you know to pull off something as somber and as you know. Um, you know, like a movie. You've seen uh, October? Yes, yes. I even I was very impressed because. Uh, like nothing really happens yet yeah and, yeah and what i found great about it was you know someone like that you know he right. he reminds you of people you worked in that that kida kind of thing but i thought his right. character was just so well thought out that he right. was annoying yet you sympathized with him uh, yeah i yeah. thought it was a very difficult one to make and yeah yeah and the other thing i think whenever we discuss best movies somehow we tend to you know ignore stuff that would that isn't uh, even middle brow 
so in like for instance a movie like sonu ki titu right like it got like chopped by by various people for it i mean it, it is supposed to be a sex comedy of course it's going to be sexist and all those things but it's a difficult difficult one to pull off like this kind of in this world this kind of broke out humor i thought it's very tough to pull off i thought that was really funny and stupid in zone way and and so I, yeah i had it quite up on the list sonu the okay i haven't many. seen it okay sonu ke titu ki sweety yeah i see hmm. okay okay yeah 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 he makes like very like very like farili brothers kind of uh, movies mm. uh, in in a very indian context um, that bromance kind of shit but but good stuff yeah good fun to watch you should catch it on netflix i thought for me probably you know the one about nina gupta getting pregnant i thought that was just yes that was a really good film too but hi ho But that was I really know. good. That was really nice. As was the one about the Chudel, um, which was again three, uh, three. Yeah, Sri. I, I think that is a good genre bender. The fact that you know, yeah, they they just they're being as funny as as they're trying to spook you at the same time, and both seem to work. Anyway, uh, for for our listeners, I'm thrilled that um, Brooklyn Nine Nine is on Netflix. Uh, after I think Frasier, no television show has got me hooked like Brooklyn Nine Nine did. I only watch news. Uh, so there was Friends. Wonder Years, Mash, and now Frasier, and now this one. Uh, have you watched Brooklyn Nine Nine? Oh, that's high praise. No, I haven't seen the show. I will catch it now. Now that you like compare it to Friends and Wonder Years, is a bit much, yeah. Yeah, Wonder Years is up there. Sorry, okay. Let me put right, it this way. Right. Wonder Years is according to me the best piece of audio visual communication ever made. That and, is true. And that I thought, in fact, I thought. I would agree. Uh, you know what? Uh, what Wonder Years did really well that um, whatever was the predominant. Social, political, pop culture narrative in America was weaved so beautifully into the story. You know whether it was right. that hippie nineteen sixty nine and you know Kevin, uh, Kevin's kind of sister getting a boyfriend right. who was against war and he coming for dinner right. and the father and him having that fight about I was in Korea. What do you know about Vietnam and all these hippies smoking you know pot, uh, the moon right. landing happening, every yeah. you know big event and I thought. Uh, this one tried to do it it didn't do it quite that well because it still sometimes looked a bit forced but i was quite impressed was uh, this series with saif ali khan um, which varun wrote grover uh, uh, sacred, sacred games you mean yeah sacred right. games uh, yeah tried to do a bit of that which was yeah, nice yeah they were so in your face they're like a, yeah, it's with a it, proper you know like a narrator telling you what is going on it wasn't like for instance like mm-hmm. as you mentioned this right i i was wonder years as like any other child and for me i was connecting with kevin arnold because it seemed like my life right. and i had a little brother who used to beat me up there the same way <laughs> you know what i mean so i wasn't seeing the whole political dimension but it it existed clearly and and thank god you i mean glad you mentioned because it has to work at both levels right yeah I mean, it was so it beautiful the most it, yeah. immediate level which is the story in the and exactly the exactly and so beautifully weaved in so that was yes. there but then I would c- compare Brooklyn Nine Nine to like a Frasier and a Friends and a Mash. Yeah, definitely. I think it's nice. that fun. Nice. So that's no, I'm going to catch this now for sure. For sure. But thank you so much for your time, Mayank. Thanks uh, for having me, Abhinandan. Lovely talking to you always. Yes, lovely talking to you too. And I hope to see you sometime when I'm in Bombay or you're in Delhi. Perfect. Perfect. Give me a call when you're here. All right. Thanks. Cheers, man. Bye bye. So that was today's awful and awesome entertainment wrap. I'll be back again next week with another guest co-host because Rajshi won't be here next week either. Uh, you can leave your uh, abuse on her Twitter timeline. It's at Rajshri, and you can send us your feedback and inputs to contact at newslawny dot com. I repeat, contact at newslawny dot com. With the title "Awful and Awesome" or "ANA," sorry, I want to correct myself. Rajshri's Twitter handle is not Rajshri; it's Brown Saheba at Brown Saheba. My God, how colonial! Trust her. Anyway, so since no one is here to do our usual sign-off, I'll do it in both voices. Thank you, Mr. Zakri. Thank you, Mr. Zakri. It's a wrap. 
All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 